0: I try to give them space and especially on a day that they are having a really bad day that they can't function in the classroom. Uh, Perhaps they've thrown a book across the classroom and a teacher calls me to come in and I need to get that child away from that situation as quickly and as calmly as I possibly can.
1: Did you finally realize your dream of having a family only to have your happily ever after turn into a nightmare? Do you find yourself up late at night wondering why nothing you try as a parent is working? Are you searching for adoption resources and a support team but can't find any? Hi neighbor, welcome to Anchors of Encouragement. I'm Tim Maudlin, husband, adoptive parent, Bible class teacher, and ambassador of encouragement. I too felt the joy of having a family of my own. I wish we could be like other adoptive families. I knew we were doing our best, but nothing seemed to work. I kept asking myself, why is this happening to us? Life can be tough. Storms in life are inevitable. In Anchors of Encouragement, my mission is to throw adoptive parents a lifeline and be your anchor, to offer biblical mindset support and provide stability when life gets unstable. If you're ready for real and raw talk that leads to peace beyond comprehension, so you not only survive, but thrive in life's storms, this podcast is for you. Hope and healing are on the way. Joining me today is my neighbor from Harrison County, Sherry Green. Unless you're familiar with the geography of Indiana, that won't mean much to you. Sherry lives one county over from me. She lives close to the original capital for the state of Indiana, Cordon. Sherry is a wife to her husband, Tom, a mother of two adult sons, and she has been in education for over 30 years serving junior high students with disabilities. Sherry is also a friend of the family. When my family was going through one of our darkest periods, Sherry was there for us. She was and is a true anchor of encouragement. I know the next time she sees me, she will probably punch me for saying this, But I wanted to publicly acknowledge how much I appreciate her for what she did for my son and my family. I want to encourage you to listen closely to what Sherry has to say today, because I know she can be an anchor of encouragement for you, too. Thank you for joining us today, Sherry.
0: Oh, it's a pleasure to be here with you, Tim.
1: Yeah, this is going to be a good discussion. We messaged back and forth and you gave me some topics that we could talk about and we really want to focus on your experience as a school teacher and specifically teaching, you know, kids with disabilities. And one of the things that jumped out when I looked at your topics were was this one. It is the effects of trauma on learning. And in on this podcast we we talk a lot about adoption trauma, but that's not the only kind of trauma that exists. And this This episode and this conversation, I believe, can be really helpful for other educators. I know my wife has only taught one year in in the school system, but she has started to see some of these things because of our experience with adoption trauma, but you experience trauma on a daily basis with your students, and as we get our discussion going here, it's probably best to then define what trauma is, and we can start to to build our discussion out from that and understand what the effects of trauma on learning is, because you're trying to teach these kids, but they have something going on that maybe is not visible.
0: Yeah, and with trauma, with that being said, trauma, and it can come from so many different experiences in their lives. Uh, sometimes families relocate frequently, well, in and out of schools that can cause a trauma for a child uh, sometimes they've got absent parents so many times we have students who their parents are incarcerated, uh perhaps even dead, and so you know these children have been through a lot of things that when we see them walk through the doors, I have no clue of what all they've been through, so I have to be mindful that. They are coming to me with some type of a baggage.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I know, and I was thinking back before we started recording, when I was, I remember in grade school, especially, and I can't remember the name of my, you know, classmates, but someone would break their arm Mm -hmm. and they, you know, they would come in and they'd have a cast on. Well, all of us immediately wanted to sign the cast. And that was our way to support the, our classmate, but with trauma, you don't see it. And when it starts to manifest itself, most of us kind of back away and say, "Okay, something's not right here, but we don't really understand. And you've addressed some of the the possibilities of what could be causing this trauma. Yeah.
0: And sometimes, you know, me as the teacher looking at this child and perhaps I don't remember that uh, behaviors are communication and sometimes I may forget that and just automatically expect that child to come in, act a certain way, and do as I ask them to do. And sometimes a child just can't do that.
1: I know uh, thinking about my son and when his adoption trauma was starting to magnify. Mm-hmm. And one of the therapists uh, told us that the level of pain that he's in is direct directly proportional to the level of bad behavior, and so when his behavior got really bad, that meant he was really hurting yeah, and I think that's a, the case for a lot of kids is when they're hurting for whatever reason it is when they're hurting that's the, as you said that's their f- a form of communication their behavior so how do you how do you deal with that as a a teacher
0: i'm in a role that um uh... Well, when I first step in with kids at the beginning of the school year, I've got a caseload because I'm special ed. So I have a caseload of students who come to me. And one of my goals is is to meet with each one of those kids as soon as I possibly can. They're not going to trust me right off the bat. And it's one of those things that I have to become a trusted adult for them. And I try to give them space. And especially on a day that they are having a really bad day that they can't function in the classroom. Uh, Perhaps they've thrown a book across the classroom and a teacher calls me to come in. And I need to get that child away from that situation as quickly and as calmly as I possibly can. And uh, get them to a safe space because that's what they need. They need a safe space, someplace where they can just chill out and just wait it out, wait that emotion out. You know, it could have been triggered by a teacher asking them to uh, do a math problem, you know. And it's one of those things that we've, we've got to provide them a safe space.
1: So these aren't necessarily the, the students you've been assigned to to teach a specific subject to. Sometimes you're coming into other teachers' classrooms to facilitate this holding space or giving space to these kids.
0: Yes. Yes. Many times that's my role is that I'm that person that uh, I'm a case manager, basically on some, you know, some days I'm not a teacher, perhaps I'm a a case manager, but um, I will come in and I will help that child be able to come out and maybe, maybe, maybe give them an escape from that situation that, you know, has went bad. Yeah. I'll walk into other teachers classrooms. Sometimes I'll get phone calls and Uh, I report to a classroom and sometimes I have to uh, get a student to come up out of a seat and leave a classroom with me. And throughout the years, I've been trained by many students on how to implement different strategies to help them uh, save (laughs) and get up and leave.
1: Can you share some of those with us?
0: Uh, Yes. Some of them, um, some students will sit in a seat and they will refuse to get up. And sometimes I have to whisper things to them, such as you want to work with me. I'm your best avenue here. Please come with me. And sometimes they will with just a prompt of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes It does not work that smoothly. And uh, through the years, I've <laughs> learned that. Uh, oh, that backpack is very important to that child. So sometimes I have to pick up the backpack. And if I pick up a backpack and walk to the door, most likely that child's going to follow me. And two, once again, like I said previously, I want to get to know these kids as soon as I possibly can here at the beginning of the school year, because I'm going to have to find some way to help them down the road when they have a bad day.
1: Okay. Now, is this just the ones with... um disabilities or is this you know the entire you know campus all the students
0: teachers will call me in on any student that might need some help I've got a good rapport with my colleagues Mm -hmm. and students and with their parents I you know I I try to uh, establish a positive relationship with all of them at the beginning because I don't know when I might have to uh you know, work with a very difficult situation to help them through. And so, you know, it mainly with students with disabilities, but not, not only those students.
1: Okay. What has been your experience as to what these, these kids are needing when they have gone through trauma? What are they needing that they aren't getting?
0: That's a good question, because sometimes it takes us time to figure that out,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: It's just feeling safe. Sometimes it comes down to your basic needs in life. You know, sometimes they're missing food and a good night's sleep, you know, just things as simple as that. And sometimes I have a student who comes in and is having a really bad day. And guess what? I'll give that student time to just take a nap if you need to, because... Mm -hmm. Is not going to take place if that child's not in a green zone, you know, that place where uh, their body is calm, their mind is calm. If they are needing rest or food, we've got to fi- we've got to find it and help them.
1: Yeah, I know where my wife teaches, and I think this is probably the case in most public school systems is that there's there are food programs for mm-hmm. these kids because, unfortunately. I wasn't raised that way. We, we didn't go to school hungry, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of kids who do, and that's just, that's sad to think that that's a reality, but it is.
0: It is a lot of times at the end of the school year, my concern is that, you know, what are they going to do during the summer? Uh, You know, because at least at school, they had a breakfast and a lunch provided. And thank God that we've got, uh, you know, organizations that are providing summer programs for food for students and, who are under 18 years old also. Mm
1: -hmm. When you have these students then that you get them to their safe space, Mm -hmm. uh, how long does it usually take before you can integrate them back into the classroom? Is it days or hours or how long does that usually take?
0: Well, and once again, that's very individual. Also,
1: Uh
0: Um, I've got one young lady in mind that I can tell you her progress because Last The previous year, um, school was very difficult for her, which it is for many students that we don't realize. They go through a silent struggle sometimes just to get into school. And sometimes they just can't. So attendance becomes a major issue. Um, Sometimes students, I can teach them strategies, but unless they're willing to use them, then, you know, they don't work. But for one particular student it could it started out as half day and once once a day went sour it was like that day was done sometimes that student would leave mom would come pick the student up and the student would leave for the day uh not coming back for maybe a couple of days and then the student got to where strategies were being used even going into a child's pose a yoga pose And using breath, recognizing breath, going to the restroom, putting cold water on the face, uh, taking time to sit there and drink water, take a peppermint, those strategies. Uh, Students will learn to use those strategies. And sometimes, like I said, sometimes the whole rest of the day is shot. Uh, But once you start using those strategies, I've seen students work and be able to go back in the classroom within half an hour. Like I said, it's a work in progress because sometimes it takes days to get, be able to get back into the school. Sometimes it's a half a day, but I have seen it to where when students actually start using the strategies that they're taught, that they can work themselves, self-regulate. And isn't that the whole key is teaching mm-hmm. them regulation
1: Well, now, do most uh, school systems... Do they have people like you to intervene for the teacher on the teacher's behalf?
0: A lot of schools across America, we are more into what's called SEL, social emotional learners, which is every one of our students. Uh, we are very very in tune with learning new strategies to help students. Uh, Most schools have some type. Yeah, I'm going to say all schools because we are at a point in society that we've got to address these needs and we've got social emotional learners, every one of them. And we have to teach them strategies and we are doing a good job at our school as far as addressing those things and teachers having training. And then we have programs set up in our schools That are regularly scheduled programs that students go through to learn new strategies, as far as learning how to be persistent, adaptable, you know, Mm -hmm. thankful and honest, and all of these character traits, but also strategies to be able to be adaptable.
1: Okay. One of the things in talking with my wife that I know that when a child is disruptive and Mm -hmm. for whatever reason, And the thing we're talking about today is there's some kind of trauma in that child's life that when they're disruptive, that can take the whole class on a path that no one's going to learn that day. Mm -hmm. And sometimes she's had to have students removed. But before it escalates to that point, what could teachers do before they have to call someone like you to come in and say, we need to you need to intervene here for me. Mm-hmm.
0: And teachers are also being trained as far as having that safe space in their classroom. Also to uh, talk with a student quietly and privately. Hey, do you need to take a break? Do you need to step out into the hallway? You know, those types of things. Also, I'd like to caution teachers, you uh, Confrontation is not the way to go with a student who has had trauma and who is having behaviors in your classroom. A lot of times that confrontation is going to escalate those uh, behaviors that you do not want in your classroom. And uh, oftentimes, you know, if you go toe to toe with a student, you're going to come out on the uh, the bad end of it because they're going to they're going to take you places you don't want to go with your own regulation and stuff because we become emotional as the uh, teacher involved or the caregiver if you want to say
1: okay yeah I remember back to it's been several years now but I remember back to my time in school there were teachers that you knew you just didn't cross Mm -hmm. they first day you understood they were boss it was going to be their way or the highway and they were they were tough But I don't know. There's got to be there's got to be a way to to let them know you are in charge. But then do it more with some of the things these kids are going through today to be compassionate and and so forth. Mm -hmm. Not that these not that these teachers were weren't compassionate, but I just remember it was kind of heavy handed at times that was effective then. Mm
0: Mm -hmm. And we still have, you know, some of those uh, teachers who have that type of discipline in their classrooms. And, you know, there is a fine line between uh, being that compassionate person, but also holding that child responsible and accountable for their actions, too, but yet having compassion. So it's a balancing game.
1: Yeah. And then when you have multiple kids with multiple situations and whatever is going on, well, teachers aren't paid enough. To have these things, they have to do on top of instructing the students with some lesson that they're they're experts in. So that can be really tricky too.
0: All of that can also lead to what's known in you know uh, secondary trauma for that teacher because here you are, you're balancing these behaviors in your classroom and the emotions of your students plus your own. So yeah, it's difficult sometimes.
1: That's interesting that you mentioned that because one of the things that I've understood from my son's adoption trauma is that us as parents we can be triggered into something in our own lives that we haven't resolved and i'm what I'm hearing from you is that that can happen with with teachers as well dealing with trauma kids. What are some ways that uh, a teacher can? Work them, their their own stuff out in order to make sure they don't get triggered, and then they can still teach like they want to teach.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and just as we teach students strategies, uh, we as teachers we need to also be able to step away sometimes. And that's one thing that you know in a in our community at school that. Sometimes, you know, if I know a teacher's struggling with something or somebody knows I'm struggling with something, sometimes they just stop in and just say, Hey, are you doing okay? Or do you need to take a break? And, two, me as the teacher in that role, I need to be able to be responsible enough that if I feel myself escalating in a situation, I need to call somebody in and say, Hey, can you come cover my class for a moment so I could step away and take a breath? Self care, you know, that's we talk about it, but are we actually doing it? And that's one of those things that each day, okay, there's a book out there. I haven't read it yet, but I refer to it sometimes or refer to this phrase as uh, the body keeps score. Mm -hmm. You know, if we allow these traumas, these even secondary trauma from the classroom to keep building, and I don't do something daily to release that stress and that, that trauma that's building, then uh, it, it can lead to illnesses in the body.
1: That book was one that was recommended to us when our son was diagnosed with adoption trauma and the Mm -hmm. body keeps the score. And, you know, he had, his body had kept score for 17 years and with unresolved uh, feelings. So it was, you know, something we understand having gone through it, how that can eventually erupt into some really negative behavior. So That's good advice for teachers to, you know, make sure there's some self-care going on there for them.
0: Yeah, reach out to support systems that you have, you know, within your day, you know, throughout the day. If you need that neighboring teacher or that uh, secretary to pop in and just take a moment for you.
1: So there's several effects that trauma have on learning. It not only affects the student who's been traumatized in some way. It can affect the other students in the classroom. Mm -hmm. It can affect the teacher. How quickly can you get back to what they're there in the first place for to learn? How can you start educating them again?
0: Well, and sometimes it might require that that one particular student who is experiencing such trauma and having those behaviors. It may require, you know, them Having a restricted schedule. Perhaps they have a resource time where they can come in and be taught some strategies, you know, and lessen the stress of the day alone. Students are under a lot of stress to learn, and uh, it's a fast paced day. And sometimes that fast pace and all that pressure is just too much. So sometimes you might have to lessen that load and create a different schedule for that student. And, you know, learning cannot take place if that student is not in the right frame of mind so sometimes we have to it's a building thing build on different placements perhaps maybe maybe it's one of those things that they come to school for a half a day for a while you know it's you just got to break it down to each individual students sometimes you're going to have students who come in to your school from a uh, residential setting you know mm-hmm. and it's, okay, you got a residential setting placement here and then we're going into a public school all day. Whoa, you know, sometimes we need to step back and just know what, or look at and make a plan that can best serve that student to be able to transition.
1: Mm -hmm. Again, I'm thinking of the things that we were taught with our son and his adoption trauma. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that, even was said to me again recently is that you have to temper your expectations yeah and with you know however many students are in a classroom it's not a cookie cutter approach there's x you have expectations and it's hard when you're trying to to teach a curriculum and get students to a certain level before they they move to the next uh, grade but expectations are hard to to juggle here, it sounds like.
0: Yes. And, um, you know, at one time I worked with a wise person and he's made the statement that, you know, eventually every student is going to have what is known as an IEP, individual education plan. And, you know, students I work with have, you know, documented plans, they're in place, but also Even if a student doesn't have that documented plan, we still need to look at each student as an individual and work with what's best for them. And like I said, you know, even though a student may not be acting out, that doesn't mean that that student's not sitting there in torment silently in your classroom, too. So, yeah. Yeah. It's it's a balance out there to be able to know what standard I want to hold each student to when it looks different for each student. Mhm.
1: There's been a lot of really excellent ideas you presented here. I'd like to circle back to one thing you said at the beginning where I guess first day of school or or soon after the first days of school this new school year where you try to get to know these kids. Can you walk me through some of the ways that you attempt that? Because, again, you've got all these different personalities, but -hmm. what have been some of the effective things that you've found? And this, I believe, would help teachers as they're, you know, that first day of class. But how do you go about engaging with these children in a way that you're starting to build trust with them so that you can... If the the situation warrants, you can intervene and help get them to a safe space.
0: Well, and I think, first of all, I personally like to approach with kindness. Mm -hmm. that first meeting, you know, kindness and with a smile um, and be a trustworthy person, you know, and any engagement that I have with them, let them know that if you need anything, please come see me. Also, I have this little, uh, I use Google Forms a lot to uh, do interest inventories with the students. You know, what are you interested in? And all this type of stuff as far as careers and education and that type of thing. But I also developed one that uh, when I'm frustrated, dot, dot, dot. Okay. So, and it has some questions on there as far as the students can fill out. and Let me know what causes them frustrations. How can they, uh, what can I do to help them through that frustrated part? What strategies do they already use? And those type of things. So that little uh, Google form helps me learn a lot about what I can do with them or for them in a situation that, you know, requires a little more attention.
1: Okay. That's a great point. That's a great point. Well, as we wrap up this episode, um, I want to thank you for being here because being here before your school's new school year starts. I know that's coming soon. It's always seems that summer goes so fast, but as we, as we leave this discussion today, I always like to end it with a daily doable. And so the daily doable for educators, for teachers, what would be the first step? And we probably have already talked about it through the, through this uh, conversation today, but what would be that first step you would encourage them to, make sure they do uh, as they start a new school year with their students
0: uh, once again just coming in with that you know friendly and kind create a classroom that is you know calm but uh, and it's a, it's a it's a balance somewhere here engaging and calm okay so how do you do that uh, but you know just welcoming your students making them feel like you want them there even mm-hmm. that be the most challenging one that you're going to meet, you know, that student needs to feel that they are your favorite. I sometimes have conversations with students and they kind of make me smile because they'll be standing there with each other. Like I'm not even there anymore. And they say, oh, I'm her favorite. No, I am. And I'm thinking (laughs) I've done my job. If they both feel that they are my favorite, that's, that's, that's a plus.
1: Oh, that's Uh, awesome.
0: I, I found this quote, and it was like, it's by author Barbara Coleridge, and it's, if kids come to us from strong, healthy, functioning families, it makes our job easy. If they do not come from those types of families, it makes our jobs that much more important. One of those things that uh, I need to create that environment, that um, rapport, that offers safety. Just mm-hmm. that's the biggest thing for any student or any adult going through trauma is to feel safe.
1: No, I agree. And that's a great quote too. I mean, teachers are so important to our kids and especially with the fact so many of these kids are coming from less than ideal situations, broken homes or whatever. And I applaud you for all these years. You have been involved in this process to help these kids navigate through their trauma and I know this episode will help uh, teachers to do these things that can, you know, make their classrooms more peaceful and more available to students to learn in. So again, thank you for being here. If anyone would like to contact you and pick your brain about some of these things that we've talked about, you've uh, graciously admitted that you would uh, be willing for them to contact you. How can they do that?
0: All right. They can always contact me through uh, email, and my email address is sherryg210 at gmail dot com. Okay. And I'd be more than willing, you know, to help find resources. And do I have all the answers? No, no, I don't. But I am one of those that I will be willing to uh, look up and help, support, and provide any any support to help students, you know, through that support for teachers.
1: Okay. And then we talked before we got on or started the recording that uh, you're an author, too. This is a tool that both of us believe in. But uh, just mention what you authored, and I'll put the link to that in the show notes as well.
0: Okay, I... uh... Oh, a few months ago, I thought, oh, I want to push out a journal. And it was like, you know, one of those things that you kind of put things on the back burner, back burner. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, just do it. So I put out a little journal and it's called my daily journal. And it's got four little prompts in there, uh, just things to make you think of that uh, what. What three things are you grateful for in your day? What have you done to reach out for, you know, to help someone? What have you done for self-care? And then the last one is a, you look up a quote or an inspirational Bible verse or something that, you know, can help you through the day. Just those uh, positive feedback things for you to reflect on as far as your daily journal.
1: Okay. And I believe that's a big part of self-care. I learned that with my son, and I've told you, I do it every day, so again, thank you for being on here today, Sherry. I really appreciate it, and uh, God bless you with all the efforts you do with these children, because they have a friend in you, that's for sure.
0: Well, and Tim, I appreciate this opportunity to reach out, and like I said, if if anybody needs anything, any questions or would like even just a, a, a conversation about this topic and stuff, I'm more than willing. And once again, thank you for having me.
1: Oh, you're welcome. Glad you could be here. It's really encouraging to have conversations with people like Sherry. She is so genuine, and you can hear how much she cares for these kids. Here's some of the takeaways. Number one, students going through trauma need to feel safe. Number two, It's important to provide a safe space for these students. Number three, remember, behaviors are communication. Number four, approach students with kindness and a smile. Be someone they can trust. And number five, if you're a teacher, don't forget to practice self-care. Make sure and check out the show notes for how you can contact Sherry And also, I'll have a link in the show notes so you can grab her journal. That's all for this episode. I want to thank you so much for joining me. Until next time, this is Tim encouraging you to do what you can now. If this podcast has given you the courage and confidence to face storms in your life, the number one way you can thank me is to leave a written review on Apple Podcasts. Tell a friend about the show. Take a screenshot of this episode and share it in your Instagram stories and tag me at Tim Maudlin. You can also connect with me in my Facebook group, Anchors of Encouragement. So until next time, this is Tim encouraging you to do what you can now.